Lord, for this day that you have given us. Thank you that we could be together this morning and look into your word. And we want to bow before it and ask you to instruct us and teach us in the way that we should go. Speak to our hearts this morning. We are listening. And just be in our midst, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. We are going through the letters of Paul, looking at the verses that talk about the Word of God, because we've been going through the Word, talking about the Word of His power and the power of His Word. All things are upheld by the Word of His power. And just a reminder that He's on the throne. We don't have to be. And we don't have to think that that's our job. God is in control. Even when things seem to be spinning out of control all around us, God is still on the throne. and He does uphold all things. And so um, we're just looking at the, some of the things that Paul said about the word as he wrote to the churches. Or in this, today we're looking at Timothy, where he wrote to Timothy. So I'll give you a minute to turn there. First Timothy. Timothy, of course, was a young man who had gotten saved through Paul's influence, and he was dear to Paul's heart. He calls, Paul calls him my son, my son in the faith. And you see in this um, letter that he writes to him that he, he is, is so desirous as a father to a son that his son does well and that he knows how to handle the word of God. And he in, instructs him to war good warfare, tells him it's not um, going to be without without a fight. And then in, in chapter 2, he tells him how to, when they meet together, first prayer and supplication, giving of thanks, be made for all men, for this is good and acceptable. And... He just gives him some real practical tips we see here. And then in, in chapter 3, this is a true saying. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he t- talks to him about church order and, you know, set, setting things up in a, in a godly way. Sometimes people wonder where we get the pattern from for, for church government. And this is where we get it from, the elder and the, and the deacon, deacon and, and from Paul's instructions. So it was way back there in the early church. And we're going to look in chapter 4. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is what I've been saying to you repeatedly throughout this study, that if we're not careful about what we listen to and who we listen to, and who we submit our spirits to, we can easily be seduced by spirits that sound good. They sound good on the surface, but are seducing spirits. So we have to be very careful. Speaking lies, this has to do with words. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with hot iron. We have to understand that there are people who see Christianity as a weak link. And as, a, as an opportunity to make themselves wealthy, <laughs> uh, use it as a business proposition. Oh, you know, they see somebody operate in the true spirit of God and they say, oh, I can do that. I can imitate that. I, I can imitate that. And I can, I can make money doing that. Well, unfortunately, 
the, the call of God is not about money. And we have to understand that. And we, again, we have to be always, if we, Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. So we have got to be diligent to know his voice so that when we hear these other things that can sound very good, we have a check in our spirit and we say, mm, not sure that sounds like my shepherd's voice. We have to know. We have to learn to know. And we have to ask the Lord to help us continually. And his Holy Spirit abiding inside of us helps us to be able to discern. No, I don't know. I don't think that's that's where, that's that's God's voice. Okay? Um, and there are people that are very... Um, very blatant about it. That's what it says here. Their conscience is seared with a hot iron. They're going around saying, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord. They haven't heard nothing, thus saith the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? And so we have to know the difference. It's up to us. It's up to our hearts to know the difference and to know God's voice and when he is speaking to us. It's not that we want to never, never accept God's God's word. Of course, we want all of God's word that that He wants. He's trying to speak to us. We want to receive God's word into our hearts. We want to know God's voice. But that's what we want to know. We want to know His voice, and not be tricked and not be fooled by all the other voices that are clamoring for our attention. Okay, for every in verse four, for every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. And he was talking before that of, of rules and regulations that man were trying to impose on other other men. And we're in, we're in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. So we see here that he's trying to encourage Timothy to understand that um, he's he's got to know God's word. He's got to know what God's word for himself. And again, here's another place where man starts to rise up and and make rules and regulations on on other people and say, well, God wants you to do this. And in order for you to belong to this church, you need to do this, thus and so. And on and on and on and on. Just like the scribes and Pharisees had over 600 attached laws to the Ten Commandments that people... <laughs> needed to uh, to do and adhere to in order to stay connected to the synagogue. Same idea. And it wasn't God's word. It was it was all this stuff that was just added on. And we have to, differ, to differentiate our whole life long, don't we? Well, is that what this person just likes and wants everybody to do? Or is that God's word? Is that a principle from God's word? And we have to know. In order for us to be able to differentiate, we have to know God's word, don't we? Okay. So then he says to him in verse 6, if you, if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nursed up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. Again, we see he has this heart for Timothy. He wants him to do well. He wants him to rightly divide the word of truth. And so here he is writing him and um, um, encouraging him. And then verse 7, But refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. So we see what I'm saying to you is exactly what, what he's saying here. He's saying, you know, there's some stuff that just gets 
floated down through the ages as um, we had a we used to have a dear um, man in our church who who thought the Bible said make hay while the sun shines. Well, <laughs> you 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 hunt it up and see if make hay while the sun shines is in your Bible. Let me know where you find it. This is what he's talking about. There's things that kind of you know good sayings, nice quotes that get floated down through the ages and. And pretty soon we are mixing them up. If we don't know the Word of God, it's easy to mix it in there together and think that, oh yeah, that's God's Word. Well, we gotta know. Is it God's Word? Where is that in God's Word? And Pastor often says this even when he's preaching. You know, the Bereans were noble in that they went home after they heard the Word and they looked it up and they said, where is that? Where is that in the Word? We wanna read the Word for ourselves. And that's each and every one of our responsibilities. We shouldn't be taking anybody's word for anything. I mean, you understand what I mean. I mean that respectfully. Of course, we come, we hear the preaching of the word, but then, as he says, you know, if we take notes and we go home, we open the word for ourselves and we see where that is and how that applies to our hearts and let God speak to us. And so um, that's that's our, our huge responsibility is to get into the word for ourselves and understand it and know it. Okay. Okay, so picking up again in Timothy here, we see that Paul is just so desirous that Timothy get it right and do it well and that he can pass on that that impartation that he's he's had over his life. All right, go on verse 8, chapter 1 Timothy 4, verse 8. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Right now we have a huge um, emphasis in our media world about exercise. And and it says exercise profits little. It's, it profits a little. <laughs> it profits a little. But we know that there is two things that are certain, right? Death and taxes is what they say. <laughs> and the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. And so you can spend your whole life, I knew somebody who was a bodybuilder all his life long, always lifting weights, and it didn't, it didn't lengthen his life. Um, it didn't lengthen his life. So we have to understand our longevity, our life is not in our hands. Our times are in his hands. He is God. We are not God. And I know we all want to live long. But we want to live till we're done, right? When we're done, it's time to go home. And so we can spend our whole life trying to preserve who we are, what we are, whatever. But ultimately, it's God's call, I do believe. So we have to have the right emphasis. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men especially of those that believe. So he's saying to him here, we're both suffering in different ways for the same cause, the cause of Jesus Christ. And all those that love God and share his gospel, live live according to his gospel, are going to suffer persecution. The Bible tells us that plainly. So for us to think that life should be rosy and free of all um, strife and, and, and trouble and, and challenges and well, we're, that's a pipe dream. It's despised. It's made fun of. It's put down. 
And so we have to understand that there is going to be persecution. And that's just a part of embracing the gospel. And that's the way it is. That doesn't mean we quit, right? For therefore we labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men. These things command and teach. So here again, he's instructing young Timothy, teach this, tell people. All right, Timothy is a young man. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So here he's saying to him, you know, just because you're young doesn't mean that you're not credible if you live the gospel. You live the gospel, you do it with integrity, then let no man despise thy youth and say, oh, he's too young to, to tell us anything. No. And we love love Christ and we allow him in and we live the gospel out, our ministry can be effective, regardless of our age. God's not a respecter of those things. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. In other words, he's saying to him, apply yourself. Don't just waste your time. You know, and here again, we have a world that bombards us with time wasters. You wanna you wanna waste your time. There's there's plenty of ways to waste time. That's for sure. Between all the, the the video stuff and the video games and computer stuff and and all kinds of stuff, TV and and on and on and on and on, we have a, a, an enemy who's trying to get us all to to waste as much time as possible so that we're as ineffective as possible, because his time is short, and he needs God needs us to be effective to be in this world as light and salt speaking his truth, declaring his word. And the enemy is always trying to lull us to sleep and make us feel comfortable and, you know, just la, 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 wasting our time. And here, Paul instructs this young man, be diligent, apply yourself. When you're young, you have opportunities that you don't have when you're older. And that's just the way it is. When you're younger, you do have opportunities that don't often repeat themselves later in life. Later in life, there's other responsibilities and burdens and cares and and things that must be tended to. And in your youth, you don't have all of that. So Paul recognizes that. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Again, he's telling him to heed What's been imparted to him? And I think if we went around the room, each one of us could could pinpoint times in our life where we uh, recognize that God was imparting things into us and giving us uh, help and gifts and talents. And, you know, sometimes we're slow and we're reticent and we say, no, not me. Let somebody else do it. Somebody else can do it better than me. And, um, you know, I don't... Uh, what, we got to stop that. We gotta stop that. It's a crucial hour. God needs every one of us functioning 100%. Not 90%, not 80%, not 70%. You understand? We can always take a, take a step back and say, oh, let somebody else do it. Well, God will find somebody else to do it. But, but, but you're needed. It's a crucial hour. It's the hour of need in our world. And He needs each and every one of us functioning 100% capacity in this world to to represent him to speak life 
into people's lives, to share the gospel with them. I believe he's drawn lines in the sand, and you're either in or you're out. It's it's uh, not not gray matter. There's not gray matter. You're either for, for on Christ's side. Who is who is on the Lord's side? You remember Joshua had to do that repeatedly through the Bible. Moses did it a number of times. Who's with me? Who's on the Lord's side? Lines get drawn in sand, and God has drawn those lines. I believe in these days, and we're either in or out. And um, he's 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 here speaking to Timothy and saying, "Come on." Stir up those gifts that are in you. Don't don't neglect them. Don't forget about them. Don't don't just put them aside and say, "Well, I'm too young," or "I'm too this," or "I'm too that." The devil will always come with a with an excuse to you. Well, I'm not so and so, and I'm not this, and who you know. Stop it. We have to stop it, and we have to say, "Lord, I'm willing to be used however you want. Speak to me. I'll be obedient." As soon as we do that, wow, things start to change. Thing doors open up. God uses us here, he uses us here, he uses us here. And we're like, wow, how'd that all happen? Well, we just made a decision that we're not going to sit down and and take a back seat anymore. We're going to step up and we're going to make ourselves available to God and we're going to do what he tells us to do. And when we do that, he does use us because, as I said, it is a crucial hour and he needs every single one of us. Not one is better than another. You know, it's such a twisted mentality also in our world that, well, you're the this, and so it's your responsibility, and I don't really have to, you know, that, that we gotta lose that. God needs each and every one of us. Pastor's not more important than you, and you're not more important than pastor. God needs every single one of us functioning 100% on all cylinders. 100% all cylinders. Every single one of us. And we each have a responsibility to God to fulfill the purpose and the call over our own lives. And so he says to him, meditate on these things. Give thyself wholly to them. Because then it'll be seen clearly to people that God is in you. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. In other words, here's a young man preparing to um, and ministering. He's saying, you know, take heed. Pay attention. Study. Make sure you're rightly dividing the word here and because people are hearing you and and um, he wants him to do it well, doesn't he? He wants him to do it well. And we want to serve the Lord also with excellence and we want to do it well. And so we have to apply ourselves. We have to know his word. We have to be in his word. We have to be obedient and choosing daily to follow him however he leads and guides us and not be afraid. You know, sometimes we're going to make mistakes. We're not always going to do it perfectly, but God's not going to throw us out as long as we stay in the process with him. And we say, okay, Lord, I really, I missed it that time. I didn't, I didn't pay attention. I, I forgive me. I, I want to do better. And he helps us and we, we go on. And that's the key is that it's, it is a process. He doesn't demand perfection of us. To, he, he says, come on, I can help you. I can help you. I can help you to do it better. And so, We have a wonderful Savior. He doesn't leave us without resources. But that doesn't give us an excuse not to do well and not to strive to be better and to fulfill God's purposes over our lives. And we should have that sense of urgency, that that passionate sense of urgency. God, I need to do today. What is it that you have for me to do today? How can I be effective today? What is it that you're looking for today in me? 
And sometimes it's just a situation arises and God's waiting to see how we react to it. You know, whether we're learning not to fly off the handle or whatever, or to trust and be in peace when it's very hard to be in peace and trust. So, you know, daily, it's different things. Maybe another day, it's actually speaking to someone and sharing our faith with them. Or maybe another day, it's just being kind to someone or whatever it is, as long as we're making ourselves available and walking with him and saying, okay, Lord, show me today. What is it? How do you want me to walk with you? How do you want me to live this out? He will show us and guide us as we have that willingness. Okay, then in chapter 5, he continues to instruct him about how to deal with people, some very practical things. And then in verse 17 of chapter 5, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So he's saying there, if you have an elder that is rightly dividing the word, treat them well. Okay, and them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Here we have a piece that nobody in this world wants to hear. But there comes a time where rebuke and discipline becomes necessary. I mean, think about your children. You have children. You can't, you can't just always, forever, let, let, let everything go without any discipline. I know there are people that do that, but the result of that is not real real effective or good, is it? And so that happens in the church also. There comes points in times where some discipline has to be applied. How people respond to it is their choice, right? We have a choice of either accepting and saying, okay, let me learn and grow. Thank you. Or we can rise up and we can say, I'm out of here. Won't, Won't receive that. We'll spend our whole lives running from place to place to place to place until we we get to the point where we say, yes, yes, Lord, I will receive, I'll receive correction and I'll receive discipline. And of course, we don't want to, I don't want you to twist this into, you know, I know there's, there's times and places where people become abusive and use, and use and abuse people. And I know that happens even in, in, in the pulpit. But when that's not the case, then we have to say, okay, I have to learn how to submit. That submission is a biblical principle, not abuse, okay? And unfortunately, submission and abuse seem to have like a, 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 seem to be like connected like this in people's minds most of the time. And that's unfortunate because even Jesus, what did he do? He submitted himself to the Father's will to go to the cross of Calvary and suffer agonizing pain and shame. He was willing to be obedient. As a son, he learned obedience. Wow. And if we are going to throw this piece out and say, nobody's going to tell me what to do, and if they do tell me something that I don't want to do, I'm out of here, I don't know. But it doesn't get us where we, where we want to be. I know that. And so we have to learn. We have to be willing to, 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 to be teachable, to be teachable. I've, I've told you this story too a couple of times. Is my, my dad once years ago prayed for a young man, came from a very, very poor background, and eventually he, um, was, had the opportunity to, uh, attend some classes, go to a, a local community college, and my dad went and prayed for him and prayed that the Lord would make him teachable. 
Well, the young man got so mad, got so mad that that my dad prayed for him that he would be teachable. <laughs> I don't think he ever came back. <laughs> he didn't think he had to learn anything. He needed, thought he knew everything that he that he needed to know. And so, all right, that's a choice, isn't it? And so we have to learn. We have to learn how to continue in love with one another and submit ourselves to one another in love. It's like the husband-wife relationship. And the wife is being loved well. There's no problem about submission and cooperation and, and teamwork and all of that stuff. The wife is being abused and, and treated badly, then it's a problem. That's how it works. And that works in any relationship, okay? And so we have to understand the Lord's not out to abuse us. He's here to love us. He's, he's, he's demonstrated his extravagant love on Calvary. And he's loved us so that we should want to serve him. And whatever he wants us to do, we're like, that's what you want? Okay, I'm doing it. That's what you want? Okay. We don't fight every time. You know, we fight every single time God shows us something or somebody asks us to do something. Because this is how it comes to us. Sometimes God just stirs stuff up in our heart and we understand, okay, God, I know that's what you want me to do. But other times it's a pastor, it's an elder, it's a deacon, it's a, it's a spouse, it's a friend, it's a, it comes other ways. It's a, it's a boss, if you want, if you want, that, that, that tells us, asks us to do something. As long as it's not sinful, we have to learn how to say, yes, okay, I will. Sure, I'll be happy to do that for you. Cooperate. Be a team. We don't learn that. I don't know. It doesn't work well, that's for sure. So, we have to learn. All right, so here Paul continues to instruct Timothy and guide him. All right, let's go to the second second book of Timothy because there's some good stuff there too. Here again in his first chapter, he, 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 he reminds Timothy how much he loves him. And he says, I call to remembrance the faith that is in you that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you too. In other words, he had a godly heritage. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance. You stir up the gift of God which is in you. Why is he telling him to stir it up? Why do you think? Because what was Timothy's tendency, I imagine? You have to use your deductive reasoning here, but why, what, why would Paul be telling him in both of his letters, stir up the gift of God that's in thee? It needed stirring. <laughs> it needed stirring. He was... He was prone to sit back and let those who were a little older than him lift the burden. And so here he commands him again. He says, "Come on, stir, stir up the gift that's in you. Don't sit back. Don't, 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 don't let it go." By the putting on of my hands, Paul had imparted into him. He had prayed over him. He had ordained him. He had, he had, he had sowed into Timothy's life. And now he's like, "Okay, brother." <laughs> Stand up and use the gifts that God has given you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. So here maybe there was some fear in Timothy, a little bit of fearfulness because he was younger or whatever. And you know, no matter what age we are, the enemy's always coming at us with fears and like trepidation. Uh, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. Who do you think you are? And et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Shut the tape off and put a new one in. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I have the peace of God. I am able. I am well able. I know whom I believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed. We've, we've got to change the tape. We've got to change the tape. We've got to get rid of those old tapes from Satan and we've got to start putting God's word in its place. 
And that takes effort. That takes effort on our part. And we have to participate in that. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. How many times I've heard people say, oh, I'm losing my mind. I'm like, no, don't say that. Don't confess that kind of stuff over yourself. You say this verse over yourself. I am power and I'm love. God has given me not a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Yeah, as we get older, we get a little more forgetful, but don't start confessing that you don't have your, that you're losing your mind. Pretty soon you will. Because what we confess comes to be. It's the way it works. Be there now, not, not ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner. But be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us unto his holy calling. All right, it says that in this chapter, for which call I suffer these things, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. You see what he's saying to him? Hold fast. The words that have been imparted to you, don't let them go. Don't be easily persuaded by the philosophies and the, and the goofiness that's in this world, which is always trying to seep in like goop, you know, like, like slime, always trying to come in and slide through our brains and, and, and distort what the truth of God's word actually is. We have to fight, all right? And then in this. Second chapter, there, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, the things that was heard of me among many witnesses, commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. There's that, that same thought that we had in the first letter to Timothy about don't be wasting your time. With stuff that's not important. A soldier can't do that. A soldier who joins the army goes to boot camp, right? And he can't be lollygagging around, however you want to say it. He can't just be wasting his time doing whatever he pleases anymore. Is that correct? Signs up, he's told what to do every moment of the day, pretty much, right? And it's not, it's not a, a comfort zone, is it? Getting up at some ungodly hour in the morning and out and marching and doing whatever they're doing. It's rigorous. It's it's brutal. Why? Because they're training to be a soldier so that they can fight to protect our country and protect our freedoms. Well, we have something that's even more precious than than our country here to fight for. We have our Savior and the cause of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. And it takes effort and it takes diligence and it takes applying ourselves and not not wasting our time. And then he tells them, you know, how much he, he suffered in, in verse 9 of chapter 2 in Second Timothy, wherein I suffered trouble as an evildoer, even unto God's bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So he's saying to him, even though I've suffered and I'm imprisoned, the word of God is not bound, and I keep speaking it even though, even though. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. All right. And then in verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, 
rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane vain babblings. They will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. Of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Here we see that way back here in the early church, there was already error. You know, sometimes we have this convoluted, again, idea, and we say, oh, the early church, and if it only lived then. Well, it wasn't perfect either. They had their issues. They had their errors. They had problems. Here's Paul, Paul addressing it. Shun, profane and vain babblings. Again, he's telling Timothy, you got to know. You got to know the word. You got to know the truth. Because otherwise, you know, people, and we have this in our world too, they could debate, they could debate, um, they could debate the word of God and they can do, do it artfully and skillfully. But, but debating the word of God isn't what, what we got the book for. We got the book for to learn how to apply it to our living. And you can debate the issues on to, from now until you're blue in the face. But you're, when you stand before the Lord, He's gonna, you're gonna be judged on, on, on what you did with His Word, how you lived His Word. He's given us His Word. And what we do with it is our choice. And so, may we take heed to it. It's a powerful verse, that's for sure. Alright, and then in chapter 4, I'm sure there's more in between, but let's just go to 4 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead of His appearing and His kingdom, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. You see what he's saying here? What we've been talking about all the time. It's great to hear some fantastic amazing, miraculous testimony, right? We all like that. Let's be truthful. You hear the testimony of someone who's had some marvelous, miraculous ministry, whatever, whatever, whatever. It's exciting. It it is. We love to hear that. But that by itself is not going to get us where we need to be. We need the word. We need the word. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. The reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering doctrine. Time will come when people don't want to hear the truth because the truth is, is too challenging. It's too challenging. That's the world we're living in, isn't it? There is no absolute truth. Well, if that works for you, that's great. That's not how God's word speaks it, does it? I am now ready to be offered, he says. My time, my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. But not to me only, but to all those that love his appearing. Wow, what a testimony. And don't we want that to be our testimony when we get to the end of our life? I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It can be our, it can be our, ours as well. God is no respecter of persons. Whatever he's called us to do, we can accomplish it through the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. So let's stir up the gifts of God that are within us. Let's apply ourselves. Let's do the best we can. Let's be the best we can be. That's what the army used to say, right? Be the best you can be. Let's be the best we can be. We have a a worthy cause. Hallelujah. 
Thank you, Lord, for your word that always stirs us. Help us, Lord, to stir up the gifts of God within us and to serve you with excellence and diligence, Lord, applying ourselves to your word and working it out, living it out, Lord, that we will be shining lights in this world of your goodness and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.